Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Five Fragen, or Five Questions, as we would say in English. This is our podcast featuring the people of the Netherlands' diplomatic network here in the U.S. Or, I should say, that's who we usually talk with, but we flipped the script this week a little bit. Instead of asking one person five questions, which, let's be honest, usually runs a few more than just five, I'm asking five or six people a handful of questions. But these aren't just random people I stumbled across on my way in this morning. These people participated earlier today in the second edition of Urban Dialogues in Detroit. That's right, I'm not even in Washington, D.C. as I record this. I'm a few hundred miles away in Detroit, Michigan for our latest version of Urban Dialogues. And what exactly are Urban Dialogues? Well, That's when we bring together Dutch and American experts to talk about the challenges facing our urban communities. We closely examine the dynamics of cities by focusing on fostering prosperity, promoting social inclusion, and strengthening resilience and environmental sustainability. I'm Jeff Alanek from the Embassy's Communications Office, and I'm talking with Vince Keenan, who is the Head of Innovation Engagement with the Mayor's Office here in the city of Detroit. Thank you for joining me, Vince. Thanks for having me. Well, let's jump right into it. What's your expertise, and what brings you to Urban Dialogues Detroit? So uh, I am with the Office of Mobility Innovation, which is a subdivision of the Mayor's Office, um, and our function is really uh, to make sure that uh, the city of Detroit is responsive to the needs of the automotive industry as it makes its transition and evolves into the mobility industry. Um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of that that's known and a lot of that that's unknown at this time, but uh, the auto industry is our home industry here in Detroit. Mm-hmm. It's Motown sure. for a reason, it's right? It's Motown for a reason. It's the Motor City. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, uh, and it's incredibly important for us that uh, while there is an opportunity for uh, other cities and they are actively trying to bring the mobility industry uh, outside of Detroit, we want to keep it here um, and we want to be the best place to come and innovate and um, we put the world on wheels once and we're going to do uh, we're going to put the world into mobility uh, this time. Now for people who aren't familiar with the jargon mobility what exactly do you mean? Well I think that's a a, a, that's an evolving concept uh, and that's part of why we are at at the city of Detroit we're structured um, the the awesome mobility innovation is structured uh, to be stealthy and to be able to adapt in, in terms of the way innovation and entrepreneurship works. Um, as an example, we uh, currently have uh, passed a piece of legislation called a Transportation Innovation Zone. You are sitting in the middle of our Transportation Innovation Zone here. Tra- and transportation and Innovation Zone? Transportation Innovation Zone, our TIZ. TIZ, it's a, okay. It's a 2.2 square mile. Sorry, mm-hmm. I couldn't convert that to kilometers, but... Uh, this is yeah. for an American audience, so Fair we enough. should understand. Right. It's a 2.2 square mile uh, portion of the city where um, we in the Office of Mobility Innovation have the ability to convene uh, a set of uh, uh, relevant departments to look at new innovative projects that may not have precedent uh, in other work uh, that the city has ever permitted before. So, for example, if you come in with uh, an electric unicorn that that you would otherwise be trying to find your way through City Hall to see who would take ownership of that project. What we do now in Detroit is we say, look, we want to be a place where you'll come, where you'll try out your idea. If we're not familiar with it, we'll get, we'll, we'll have a meeting where we collect all the relevant departments, we'll hear the pitch, we'll uh, in that meeting come up with a path to permit, and then when you get compliant uh, on those, uh, on what we talk about, will get your uh, a TIZ permit so you can try it out. And the focus is really on safety. It's not about watering things down. It's more about respecting the innovator's time. Um, and so you're not bouncing around City Hall to try and figure out how to permit something no one's ever permitted before. Mm-hmm. But it's also a focus on inclusion because we think um, it's critical. Uh, we got a lot of great uh, opinions uh, from Detroiters, with D- the Motor City, uh, the auto industry is in our DNA. And uh, we're great at kicking the tires. Um, And so uh, what we also have is a a requirement for engagement where we're working with the community uh, and not doing a pilot that is an experiment on the community. So we're looking for those elements uh, to come in. What we find is people are very receptive to that and they look forward to that kind of feedback as well. Interesting. Do you have experience working with the Dutch? So I I have... 
visited uh, the Netherlands, but this was actually the first opportunity that I had to work with the uh, consulate and the embassy uh, in terms of the, the, the problem-solving technique that was employed it, at the session today, uh, and I thought it was fascinating, and we had some great discussion. Have you ever participated in a similar discussion? So I, I, I did personally. I'm trying to, to remember the exact details of it, but I had uh, an opportunity um, in the in the uh, post uh, Katrina and Rita New Orleans, I had uh, I, I met a number of people. We I, I worked on a project with some folks that were local. I was here, um, but came down uh, and and I remember uh, these kind of dialogues were part of the conversation there. We called them Dutch dialogues. Yeah. Then. Yep. But you were in Detroit at the time. I was in Detroit. I had a friend. Um, you know, I mean. What happened there was really unprecedented, I think, in in the United States. And, and when a friend called and said, uh, listen, could you help? Uh, I was running a nonprofit organization. They said, would you be willing to help do a, a community engagement um, grant, process a community engagement grant for us? Um, I said, of course, anything we can do. And it did fit within the mission of the organization. So um, that essentially we were a, a fiduciary um, in, in the beginning, but did give me an opportunity to go down and to meet uh, a lot of people and get a, a really good sense of what it was. And then we did work with uh, uh, several projects through completion of the grant. Oh, nice. Yeah. What did you find most interesting about today's sessions? So I, I think we had some great, uh, we had some great dialogue about our similarities um, and then also some really uh, interesting discussions about our differences. I would say, you know, from a material standpoint, one of the things that's very similar is that I think we're dealing with a lot of the same um, issues in terms of weighing, like what we were talking about um, in particular in community engagement. We were trying to figure out how to weigh um, the the sort of expectations of, um, you know, people people have a better sense of what they want mm -hmm. um, than than the obligation that they may have as participants in. Uh, in, in discussions, and so there's a there's a sense I think on both sides of the conversation that um, if you have a uh, and and I should say that's not a problem that's just human nature right mm -hmm. um, but when you come in and you're talking about a community dialogue about how to come up with a solution you do have to weigh like the the difference between someone that has just shown up at this meeting and the difference between someone that has been to been following an issue for a long time, uh, the difference between an elected official who actually has the responsibility to make a decision about what is happening, the the developer, and so there there's some real challenges in terms of how um, you know I, I, I sort of look at it as um, the currently we're in a we're in time where engagement is a, a very it's a thing that people want to have done. Um, but oftentimes it gets to be a check mark that people do, and then we forget about what happened there. And I think that one of the things every participant needs to do in those meetings is make sure that their contribution is as relevant as possible so that it sticks with uh, the projects and the evolution of the work that's done. Um, and so it's not just, I went to this meeting and I said it should be like this, mm -hmm. and um, I'm mad because I didn't get what I want. It's actually um, more of the, the back and forth that you need to do in order to try and influence uh, policy and decision making. Well, thank you for joining me tonight, uh, Vince, and I wish you the best of luck in your efforts to revitalize Detroit, and hopefully we can strengthen the ties between the Netherlands and Michigan more than they already are. Absolutely. Well, I, I look forward to it, and thank you for the opportunity. Great. Thank you. And now I'm with my next guest, Rinska Brand from Brand, the Urban Agency. Thank you for joining me today, Rinska. Thank you for having me. Let's jump right into it. What's your expertise and what brings you to Urban Dialogues Detroit? Good question. My expertise, mm, I would say that um, that is to connect the top down with the bottom up. Yeah. I'm what do you mean by that? Yeah. Um, I founded my business a couple of years ago and our tagline is creating better cities for people with people. 
because sometimes we forget that building cities is actually for the well-being of the people living in there. So you have a lot of development companies, municipalities working pretty top-down, and then you have the community working bottom-up. Um, but as we are all making the same city, it's better to work together there. So that's connecting the dots and connecting top-down and bottom-up. Okay, so it's, it's urban planning and development, is that the... Um, well, I have a master's in art and culture studies, so I'm not a designer okay. per se, but I see myself as a process designer. So maybe a little bit more social design. Okay, social design. What's your footprint in the U.S.? Does your agency already do business here? Are you looking to expand or? Not yet. Um, I had some plans pre-COVID, but then COVID hit. Messed up everything. Um, Yeah, pretty much. So um, not at the moment. I'm working throughout the whole of the Netherlands. Um, I'm also a researcher. I'm researching the success factors of cultural and creative places. And that brings me to other countries. So there's going to be a book next year, Mm -hmm. uh, for 2024. Detroit and Flint will probably be in that book. Uh, So yeah, I hope that could be a launch of more international projects. So the book, will it be about your experiences in in both? You know, being here today, for example, or? Um, Not per se. Um, I'm researching how to create uh, cultural hubs, creative hubs. So there are a couple in Flint as well as in Detroit. And my interest now here in Detroit is finding out how they utilize our design culture to the regeneration of the city. So I'll be here for a couple of extra days, um, interviewing people, visiting places, driving up to Flint to hear the story there. Okay, interesting. What did you find most interesting about today's sessions? You, you, you played many roles in today's session. You were a, I saw you on a panel discussion. You were one of the moderators. For yeah, a, yeah. So it you was were bris- a, busy today. It was a full day, definitely, yeah. Um, what struck me the most was that when I came here, I thought we would see other challenges, and I was hoping to find solutions to the problems that we have in the Netherlands. But in the end, it seems that we are facing the same global problems, challenges, actually. And we're all struggling with finding the right approach and finding the right solutions. But I think we have found some of the solutions. It's just the execution. Um, So it was actually pretty good to see that we are struggling on both sides of the ocean and that we are working towards actionable Uh, solutions for that, but we're not there yet. Is there one example that sticks out in your mind as as a problem on both sides? Yeah, when it comes to community engagement, there is what they call a community fatigue. So in the engagement, like municipalities and companies are engaging with a community or actually I must say consulting it's more like we have a plan what do you think do you approve Mm -hmm. instead of work really working with the community really wanted to co-create with them Um, and yeah we we have that in the Netherlands as well there is a lot of participation going on and that feels a bit like we are having a party and we are just inviting other people to come along instead of organizing that party together, which is actually co-creation in a nutshell. That's an interesting way to look at look at it. Instead of saying, come to my party, you're saying, help me plan the party together. Well, actually, you're saying, let's organize a party together. Let's both decide on the music, on the drinks, on the nibbles. Let's do it together. Now, does this more effective when you're trying to revitalize a community as opposed to somebody coming in, a developer coming in and buying 100 acres of farmland and... A greenfield, yeah. Yeah, because in in a sense, there is no community there. You are absolutely right. That is is a challenge. But even if you are transforming an already existing neighborhood, people, when they're asked, tend to look at the here and now. So they have challenges at that moment and they want that to be solved. But if you look at a development of a neighborhood that can take like 10 or 20 years. Mm -hmm. So it's the individual needs versus the collective, but it's also long term versus short term. Mm -hmm. 
um, and you need to all take that into account. So, um, yeah, but in a green field, there's nobody there. And so some of the neighborhoods here, one I live in, it t it's taking 30 years to build out. So the people who oh, were yeah. the original yeah. there, um, and there are, there are still some, it, uh, they're there's always a little bit of tension between the new residents and the older ones. Absolutely, and we are now asking people in their 70s or 80s what they think about the future of their neighborhood. Mm -hmm. But we should actually engage with children from five years and older to ask them what they want for their neighborhood because we are building, we are transforming that neighborhood for those people. And what if they say we want roller coasters everywhere in <laughs> Disneyland? <laughs> That's good, yeah. Well. No, that's a good. It's a very good point because you're, in some ways, you're you're redeveloping for people who aren't even there yet. That's yeah. a big challenge. Yeah, yeah, it is, and uh, it is also about asking the right question. So, tell me what you want is probably not the best question to ask. Hmm. Yeah. What would be the right question to ask? Do you think? Depending on the situation, um, we normally start when it's an existing neighborhood. Could you tell me a little bit more about the history? Uh, what are the core values? Do you have a special anecdote about your neighborhood? So we start from there, building up the unique identity. And then we, we ask how the neighborhood works. What works well? What could be better? Are people missing stuff? And then you can come up with different scenarios, go back into the neighborhood, ask people what they think. Um, do they think that we uh, um, made good scenarios for their challenges and their needs and desires? And you can work from that. Well, thank you for joining me today, Rinska. And best of luck to you in your efforts to find American partners to continue building the relationship between our two countries. Thank you so much. My next guest is Rich Folly, who is head of partnership here at New Lab. Thank you for joining me today, Rich. Absolutely. It's great to be here. Well, let's jump right into it. What's your expertise and what brings you to Urban Dialogues in Detroit? Expertise, that's an interesting word. Well, I will tell you that I work at New Lab where there is a thriving uh, innovation community. We have about 50 to 60 startups that work here in our building. And at the same time, we're working with various government organizations, civic organizations, communities, VCs, et cetera, to sort of bring together a system that helps accelerate innovation across the world. So obviously, I was interested in helping Urban Dialogues because we're in the middle of a thriving city here, and we're a big part of what's happening as it grows. So those startups, do they rent, do they rent space here? In they actually, they, it's, it's not necessarily a rental agreement, but they actually, in some cases, just have a desk. In some cases, they're leveraging larger space where you do get into sort of rental arrangements. But it's a community of startups that all sort of come together to not only help each other, but to help accelerate their own scaling. So then is the hope then that they eventually move out and do their own? Well, that's, that's not only the hope, that's what happens. I mean, we have some, some companies that have not only, they've either exited in sales or they've grown to Series B or even C, and then they move out and have to move into their own. Uh, facilities, which is exactly what we hope to happen, and that's why we were put on this planet, to help these companies scale, move more quickly, find ways to pilot their technologies, and to basically integrate into the communities and cities that they serve. Series B and C, what do you mean by that? Series B and C is just a level of funding for your company. As you're growing, you start as an early seed or an early stage company. You may have some single investor or even some company that helps accelerate your initial prototyping or maybe a model. Um, or help you build out your idea. As you get a little further along and you start to pilot or find new potential clients and partners, they start to invest. You might have some venture capitalists that invest money in, and that's a Series A, which is that first level. And then Series B, you're moving into a much more serious execution of your company, and you're moving into hundreds of millions of dollars at that point. Oh, nice. And then C, I guess you're much more advanced than that. You're, you're probably moving out at that point. At C, you're not only moving out, but you have a thriving company and you're on your way to becoming uh, a, probably either a, a company that's going to exit with a sale of some sort or move into publicly traded territory or keep growing. Okay. Do you have experience working with the Dutch? I do, mostly through the uh, Netherlands General Consulate in Chicago. But I also have three of my four children living in the Netherlands right now. I have two in Amsterdam that attended the University of Amsterdam, one who's working in The Hague every day and living in Amsterdam, and another one who is at Erasmus University in Rotterdam and has been there for five years. So they're grown, grown children. They're, they're... they're all in their 20s, yes, and they love the Netherlands, and we visit them there often. It's much more inexpensive for my wife and I to go visit them than it is for me to bring them all home all the time. So oh, I we, bet. We, we visit them quite a bit. 
Have they picked up Dutch along the way? Can they, they speak it? They have picked up Dutch. In fact, it's impossible to live there for as long as they have without picking up Dutch. I think that you can live in the Netherlands without uh, speaking Dutch, but it's not the way that they want to live in the Netherlands for sure. Okay. What did you find most interesting from today's sessions? Oh, I mean, bringing together not only people from the Netherlands, but people from my home city of Detroit was really invigorating. The, uh, the ideas that we talked about around mobility and community consultancy and engagement and, and other areas were really exciting. It's areas that I live in every single day and to get perspectives from not only other countries, uh, other countries like the Netherlands, where I find we have so many similar problems and challenges, but also from people from my own city that I haven't interacted with before to hear new viewpoints. Uh, is energizing for me. It's one of the reasons why I work with New Lab. I love the exchange of ideas. That's how things move more quickly and how we can accelerate change and innovation. Is there one thing that sticks out to you from today's sessions, whether it's a problem or a solution or... or I mean, our cities and countries are, are different in a lot of ways, um, obviously, and I think in some ways the Netherlands is more advanced in some, some areas than the United States, and in other areas I think the United States is... is doing some really advanced things. But what I found today that was fascinating to me is how similar some of our challenges are. I mean, over and over at every table, when uh, some of our Dutch visitors would talk about the problems that they're facing, some of the things that they're dealing with, some of the hurdles or blocking points that they're facing as they work through new challenges, they're the same things that I'm dealing with here that some of the neighbors that I worked with in these workshops today are dealing with. There is so much common ground. Mm -hmm. There's definitely differences, but there's more common ground I found than there are differences. And that common ground ultimately brings us closer to closer together. Absolutely. I mean, to think about the ideas together and to think about how, especially when you look at some of the micromobility solutions that are happening in the Netherlands, not just with bikes and e-bikes, but with other forms, so other form factors of, of movement and mobility, an area that I'm really passionate about. Um, to, to hear how, uh, while it looks amazing, that there's still challenges that have to be met. And then as you think about the, the touch points where people move from a, a bike to a bus to a train, those areas that are really problematic here in this my home city of Detroit. Some Not of, just Detroit, but even, even where I live, even it, in D.C. It's super challenging, I know, in D.C. as well, but to see the way that some of the Dutch government has come together with some of the civic organizations and cities to help solve some of those problems is really inspiring. Well, thank you for joining me this evening, Rich, and best of luck to you in your efforts to revitalize Detroit and bring the Netherlands and Michigan just a little bit closer to one another. Well, you know I love that. I have my three kids there, but I, I absolutely appreciate the conversation. Great. Have a great night. You too. My next guest this evening is Peter Van Orschat with TNO. Peter, how did I do with that last name? That was pretty good, actually. Was it really? Yeah, the well, SCH was good. The yeah. CH, this, <coughs> it always gets, this gets caught in my throat. Thank you for joining me tonight, Peter. It's a pleasure being here. Well, let's jump right into it. What's your expertise, and what brings you to Urban Dialogues Detroit? Um, the expertise is around um, urban mobility and built environment. Um, within TNO, we have several groups looking at uh, all kinds of technology, and we look at innovations in those technology fields. And one of them is uh, societal impact uh, in cities. Um, and it's our interest to see what the impact is of all kinds of interventions into the cities and uh, what kind of impact that has on, on transport, on the lives of people, on uh, air quality, on, on noise, everything, uh, and equitable kind of um, conclusions that you can draw from those interventions. Uh, and that all comes together today at, uh, at SUDS and, and at uh, Urban Dialogues. Now, is that what TNO does? It, it, just that, or what, no. is it broader? What? It's one of the things. I mean, we have six units, and it goes, uh, we're 5,000 people, and we're an applied technology research organization from the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. uh, in six units, um, that goes from defense, IT, health services, and we're in built environment or mobility in built environment. When you say built environment, what do you mean? Uh, that's cities, basically. Okay. Oh, uh, instead of like the natural environment. Trees and exactly meadows. everything that you build. So okay. that's infrastructure, uh, also bridges and whatever, uh, but also cities and buildings and and everything around it. Okay, so it's man-made versus nature. Yeah, exactly. And we combine that with mobility uh, to see how people interact with uh, with the built environment. Then mobility is it simply just how people get around the cities? Uh, in the cities, involved? regions, and states, and uh, how people get around, yeah. How you go from A to B, how you move from, from home to work, how, recreational, uh, everything that you do. Um, and then all kinds of modes that you could use to do that. 
Uh, that's for the people, mm -hmm. uh, but you also have goods that move from A to B, right? The logistics part. So uh, that also uses the same infrastructure. Mm -hmm. uh, so we look at that as well. And they typically make use of the same kind of infrastructure at the same time. Mm -hmm. so, so we need to know how they interact and uh, where the bottlenecks are, how you can solve things. Uh, and we look at all those uh, complex issues uh, to see where the solutions are. So do you actually do the building or do you do the advising cities how to, how to do it? Or is okay. it a little bit of both? Well, at TNL, you know, we, we, uh, we look at innovation. So we get it really from the idea. We do the research and then we uh, develop all kinds of solutions and products around it. But we also do all kinds of research, so qualitative uh, research but we also sometimes build products around it. Uh, and one of the products that we've been building um, is called Urban Strategy, and it's a, it's a platform uh, to, to run scenarios of interventions into that built environment from all kinds of angles. Uh, and we uh, match, let's say, the data that you have um, and do analysis, but we uh, visualize that, but we also add models to it so that you can predict what will happen in that environment. Mm. Uh, so that way, we, we call it predictive digital twinning. You have a lot of digital twins that actually have the data and you can visualize it. But by adding the models and all kinds of smart algorithms later on to it, you can actually uh, move it into predictive uh, digital twinning. And we do that with cities around the globe to, uh, to actually help them out to see what the impact is of all kinds of changes that you want to make. Mm. Does TNO does have a footprint in the U.S.? Do you have many partnerships with uh, U.S. partners? Getting started, yeah. We, um, we've, we're big, obviously, in, in the Netherlands as, as a Dutch institute but we, and in Europe. Uh, growing in Asia, we're in Singapore and Japan and currently looking at Korea as well. Um, and with this urban strategy uh, platform, we're also looking to expand into the U.S. Um, and one of the projects that I am here for is in San Diego, where we're building a digital twin for the city uh, to actually um, uh, do all the things that I've just been talking about, um, about regional development uh, for housing units, for businesses, for uh, the livability of the city of San Diego. Mm. You know, we ha we're going to have an urban dialogue session in San Diego in a few months, in February, I think. Exactly. That, that one's next. And fortunate, and, and that's a nice thing. It's about San Diego and Tijuana together uh, as a twin city. So, so that'll be very interesting. Being an East Coast boy, I always forget how close those two cities are to one another. Yes. Yeah. Um, but one, one of my colleagues explained it to me one day during lunch. They, there are people in Tijuana who shop in, in America, and then they just go back and forth like all day. They're, they're, it's really almost like one community. And, yeah, and I, exactly. I, didn't, I never thought about it in that way. And also the other way, right? So for uh, Americans, they actually go to the vet in Mexico because it's faster and cheaper and everything. And, and, uh, the vet, oh, like a, a veterinarian, you mean? The veterinarian, yeah. Yeah, so For it's stuff like care. that. So it's, it's one big city. I never realized. What did you find most interesting from today's session? Most interesting is to see that a lot of uh, the issues that they are looking at here in Detroit um, are very comparable to the ones that we have in the Netherlands. Uh, but there are also many differences, right? Uh, and Detroit is, is a, a weird kind of city, really, because with the history and uh, the way it's spread out and all these uh, neighborhoods that are more or less uh, uh, spread out over a larger area, to get them all combined and to work together is a very um, a big challenge for them, I think, to, uh, to get that to, to happen. Uh, but one of the things that I saw today, there's a lot of, um, uh, let's say, focus on, on sustainability and, and making it equitable for all people in the city. Those are all the good things. From the American side or the Dutch side? No, from the American side, you okay. see that. Uh, so, so there is a, um, a will to make that, that change and, and the desire to look for solutions in that area. Mm -hmm. But it's really, really hard to look at it holistically and look at it from all angles at the same time. And uh, you, I, today I heard several times that they run into that problem. They're, they're looking at it from one angle. So from the, the mobility side or from the uh, equitable side. Uh, but how do you combine that into one solution that works good for efficiency, good for the, the companies, good for the city, and good for all, uh, all parts of society? Well, thank you for joining me today, Peter. 
And best of luck to you in your efforts to find American partners for TNO to continue building the relationship between our two nations. Thank you very much. It was nice being here, and I really look forward to, uh, to doing more business here in the U.S. And my next guest today is Olga Stella, who is here in Detroit. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. Well, let's jump right into it, Olga. We'll start really easy. What's your expertise, and what brings you to Urban Dialogues Detroit? Well, I'm the Vice President for Strategy and Communication at the College for Creative Studies. And in that role, I uh, lead all of our public programs at the college, uh, ways that we work with the community and, um, and really help uh, more people uh, see the value of art and design and artists and designers in Detroit. Um, and just very happy to bring uh, that expertise to um, the discussion today at Urban Dialogues. Okay. So the college, is, does the college, is it a... Uh, specifically for urban design, or is it a university? That no, so the college is a uh, nonprofit, uh, private art and design uh, school that it spans all disciplines of visual design. We don't have a program in architecture, um, but we do you know, teach um, everything from uh, studio art to user experience to transportation design. One of our public programs in the college is an organization called Design Corps Detroit. And Design Corps is really a public-facing economic development organization that works with um, designers in the community and, and helps support their growth. It also is the um, holder and, and steward of Detroit's UNESCO City of Design designation. So there's a lot of community engagement and um, really a, a strong, uh, both you know within our classrooms, through classroom projects that we do, with nonprofits and, and companies, but also in these public programs like Design Corps, just a strong um, interaction um, around the issues you know relating to Detroit's revitalization. Okay. Do you have experience working with the Dutch? Um, I mean, through their visits and through the um, you know the the last few sustainable urban uh, design summits, okay. um, we uh, when. Uh, Design Corps was uh, looking at the UNESCO City Design designation. There was quite a bit, and this was slightly before my time, but quite a bit of um, conversation with Eindhoven, you know, around the way that they'd really used design as an economic driver in their city. So, um, so that was very inspiring to what does that design, what, what are you, I'm having trouble catching what you're saying, UNESCO design? Yeah, so Detroit is a UNESCO city of design. What does that mean? So UNESCO, which is the United Nations Education, Social, and Cultural Organization, mm -hmm. um, organizes a creative cities network. And that creative cities network spans seven different um, disciplines of creativity, from design to music to gastronomy and, and others. And there are, um, I think over 44, almost over 50 um, cities around the world, uh, in North America, Europe, the global south, um, that have been designated cities of design. And so we've all pledged to use design as a driver for sustainable um, uh, and equitable development in our cities. And in Detroit, uh, design Corps, which is part of the college, went after and sought that designation for the city and has been the steward of it. And so it's organized a wide variety of activities, programs, and really embraced inclusive design as the um, kind of key focus for our designation's work here in Detroit. Is that designation something that Detroit had to apply for or work yes. for? Yeah, it's we're the only U.S. city to be designated. The and only one. The only one. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's a you know, somewhat of a badge of honor, but it's also because we bring something unique to the global design scene. Um, you know, in many cities, design is seen as a, uh, a luxury, something that's elite, you know, for only for some people. And in Detroit, um, part of what was so attractive to the other um, UNESCO cities of design when they were looking at our application was really the, the ways that um, grassroots people embrace design and the role that that has in community revitalization. So what did, do you know what the UN found so interesting about Detroit compared to? Yeah. I, I don't know if any other American cities even tried, but. Yeah, no, I think there have been other U.S. cities. You know, I'm not privy to what all those yeah. applications might have been before us. Unfortunately, um, uh, we left UNESCO, the, the U.S. left UNESCO at one point in the last presidential administration mm -hmm. um, and is now back in. And so who knows? There might be future 
U.S. cities to join okay. the network. But um, but the our fellow we are, we so the Creative Cities Network is a really strong collaborative network as there's a lot of international exchange and a lot of um, kind of working together on projects and sharing best practices. And what our colleagues in the other cities. Um, many of which were European cities, what they found so interesting was really this, um, in, in their communities, the government is driving a lot of policy decisions and driving the, some of the, the discussion around the, what is the role in, um, of design and development. But in Detroit, it's very much coming from a grassroots perspective. Mm -hmm. And so how to navigate that, what does that look like? Um, what are the uh, pluses and minuses of that approach? I think all of that was very interesting to them. Okay. What did you find most interesting from today's sessions? Yeah, I thought it was great. You know, we um, talked about community engagement, inclusive mobility, and neighborhood design, and there was just such a strong thread um, across all three of those about what does it really mean to listen to uh, people on the ground who have lived expertise but might not have, um, you know, credentialed expertise. And, you know, the challenges that, you know, different um, – uh, organizations, entities might have and really understanding how to tap into that. I thought that was a very interesting thread in, in all of the conversations that I participated in. Is there one thing that sticks out in your mind from them, whether it's a common, a shared challenge or a common solution? Yeah, I think that that for the most part, people really wanted wanted to figure out how to tap into it, um, but maybe just have, didn't have their own experience in how to do it, you know. And it, it, what do you mean? And tapping into um, uh, real resident uh, participation and engagement. Mm -hmm. You know, often when we talk about community engagement, it's really um, very one way. You mm -hmm. know, it's consultative. We're providing three options. Which of these three options do you like? What, you what the answer, sometimes the answer is none of them, right? Right. <laughs> and then we don't we don't really know what to do, like how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what we were talking about today was really about co-creation. And um, that can be really scary because it feels like, well, is it going to slow my project down? Will it make my project cost more? And I think we had a very um, good discussion in each of those three, you know, on those three themes um, around really, well, what are the benefits and and what are some experiences that, you know, d different people in the room might have had in, in doing it and doing it well. And then also just recognizing there could be challenges based on the context. And, you know, in the Netherlands, there might be um, – you know, certain things that might might be uh, different kinds of um, impediments to this kind of work than in the U.S. In the U.S., we might also have some other challenges that that wouldn't be in the in the Netherlands. And so, just really sharing that out, um, I thought was very was very interesting and gave me a lot to think about. Okay. Well, thank you for joining me today, Olga, and best of luck to you in your efforts to revitalize Detroit. Thanks so much for having me. My next guest is Ivana Kalafatic from Detroit Is It. She is the organizer of the Sustainable Urban Design Summit, of which Urban Dialogues was a subset of. Am I saying that right, Ivana? You got it. Well, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Let's jump right into it. What's your expertise, and what brings you to Urban Dialogues Detroit? Yeah, so I don't think I have an expertise. I'm just a curious human. And I am prone to thinking about strategy first. So what I've mostly made my career off of is strategy. And it happens to now be, and has been for many years, in communications strategy. And I just iterate it in different methodologies or through different methodo methodologies and different platforms. I've had media as part of my ecosystem within my career for, I'm not going to say how many years, but many. And I started in print with a publication that was very well established within the design space where I became very well acquainted with many Dutch brands okay. and design and furniture brands. What was the name of the publication? Clear Magazine. Clear Magazine. So it was a um, based out of Detroit. We had offices in Milan, New York, and L.A. And it was um, an internationally distributed publication out of the city. 
Um, we had all, I know it doesn't sound sustain, sustainable, but we had all plastic issues. We had transparent front and back covers. We were really pushing the boundaries. We had heat sensitive inserts that we were producing with the magazine. We pushing really the boundaries of, of design of what a magazine Design means. publishing. We won, I don't know, 27 design awards with it internationally. Philippe Stark designer covers. Marcel Wanders designer covers. Wow. Uh, Campana Brothers designed her covers, um, Karl Lagerfeld. Um, again, I'm now dating myself a little bit, but we were really integrated within all of the design worlds into fashion. We did a lot with fashion weeks and design weeks in the Netherlands and in Miami. We were one of the originating media partners of Design Miami in the early 2000s. So we've been with, with or what I've been doing, I've been around uh, for a minute uh, within uh, knowing where quality lays. And I always had a tendency towards the Dutch. I think from an aesthetic perspective, from an approach to design and a holistic approach to design, I appreciated that. Um, so in a couple of years afterwards, around the middle of the teens, 2000, around 15, I decided to start a digital media platform by the name of Detroit Is It?, which is the originating partner to the Dutch with Sustainable Urban Design Summit now in its third year. Mm -hmm. and, um, it's a little spooky. You're reading my mind of the next question I was going to ask. So a little I'm, I'm just going to let you talk. A so. little spooky. Mm -hmm. No, well, let's have a conversation. No, no. You, 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 my, my, question, my next question was going to be, how do you go from a magazine to Sustainable Urban Design Summit? <laughs> and, and the middle is, you, Detroit is it, so please keep talking. Well, listen, I've been moderating this conference all day today, and it's been <laughs> about transition, so maybe it's rubbing off. <laughs> but I'm thrilled to really be here. This is really great that you're doing this. And I'm really, truly, honestly thrilled our whole team is to be partnering with the Dutch on this opportunity, because I am a seriously a huge believer in Dutch um, perspective and approach to strategy around design and to application around design and process around design. And I'm a big believer in design period. I think that design, proper design solves a lot of problems. So where we started thinking about sustainable urban design and bringing in the Dutch, this is like a no-brainer. So a couple of years ago with our media platform, I had a conversation with one of your former colleagues within the government on um, seeing as a, literally a cocktail napkin idea, mm -hmm. could we align forces between the Netherlands and greater Detroit and have a one day or multi-day, but an experience within Detroit to bring in the expertise of the Dutch within the design sustainability space, align it within the expertise of, the De of Detroit and do what is now three years later the summit that we had today, which uh, we've been hearing, we're thrilled to say, has been greatly, wonderfully received on, on all ends. Both speakers, over 33 speakers that we had today and more, with Urban Dialogues, of course, that the Dutch were running. And we had, I just got a count from my team, 620 plus people that were in the building today. There were 620 people here yeah, today. Yeah, through this event. We had... Two TV stations that were here today that were filming. We had 12 exhibitors. It was just through the roof. It was It's incredible. really grown over the past couple of years. Yeah. It's the third one, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, sometimes the best ideas start out on the back of a napkin. I agree. So that does... Which is, by the way, excuse me, most no. of how I have led my career, off the back of a napkin. Well, you never know when the good ideas are going <laughs> to come to you. You have to write them down fast, right? Right. So that you've answered my, my, my next question, is do you have experience working with the Dutch? And, and you do. I do. And I'm a big advocate, truly. There's something about the um, approach and about the uh, mindset. So a couple of your colleagues today asked me what I think about the difference between uh, maybe, I think they were probably getting two personality approaches to questions on some of the panels. In other words, the difference of personality is a generalization Dutch and generalization maybe Detroit or US. 
And yeah, you know, every culture has differences and that's the beauty of being a global world that we live in, Mm -hmm. um, which I think was also part of the beauty of doing something like what we did today, that we were able to bring a global world of perspective to Detroit. Um, But, you know, U.S. or Americans are usually, and, and this is not anything I'm saying that's new, open and congenial and, you know, inquisitive and thought-provoking in a way or looking to kind of prod you, whereas the Dutch and many other cultures might be a little bit more reserved or they might need a little bit of probing to open up. And once they do, it's it's a complete world that opens to you. And where what I find with the Dutch is that there's a, there is a rigor to the way that the Dutch approach topics and, um, experience around the work that they do that I that I that appeals to me and that I think is very interesting and that's a nice juxtaposition for the conversations we had today. Mm. What did you find most interesting from today's sessions? And I, I really think that's a great question. Um, so Detroit is vast. It's about 160 miles square miles. How many residents? And within proper Detroit, it's 620 to 50,000. Comparable to Washington, D.C. Okay. I always hear there's about 600,000 there. I think. And mm-hmm. I've heard, I think they're around the same. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Washington is, uh, th- so Washington is also considered with its suburbs as well as is Detroit. So there's a large ecosystem of suburbs around Detroit, but proper, mm-hmm. it's around 620. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you look at where with the Dutch, and I was actually putting out a, a, a statistic today, I think seven, 17 million, 200,000 or so population of Dutch, That's approximately. What I hear. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's no comparison with Detroit and the Netherlands, population-wise. But when you're looking at such a density factor with the Dutch and the Netherlands, as opposed to the vastness of space within a city like Detroit, mm-hmm. um, there's so many interesting dynamics that happen, and yet you're talking about the same topics because, as I said, we're humans first that occupy a geography that we happen to live in. How do we end up making that home ours is really, I think, a goal for all of us, I hope would be for many of us. Mm-hmm. So what is it that we can learn from the Dutch from a density perspective slash, slash land use perspective slash um, equity perspective as well as the Dutch learning from Detroit? You know, Detroit has a lot of challenges with racism that are deeply embedded inequality, of course, that are deeply embedded, figuring out what topics like equity Mm -hmm. means within a city like Detroit and many other cities. And then you have conversations with Dutch where you wouldn't think that has a different, mostly homogeneous, but not necessarily population. As of the last few years, absolutely, it's less homogeneous. But when you have the words like diversity within equity, within urban development, you wouldn't necessarily put that into the same context as the Netherlands as you would within Detroit. So having a similar context but fairly different perspectives on it or or realities rather on it is, I think, an extremely interesting output of what today brought about for both sides. Interesting. Is there one thing about the Netherlands that, that if you could wave a wand that you would bring to Detroit and say, this is what we need? Um, yeah, I would say to me the most interesting thing that came out of it is you asked me, and I'm, excuse me, I'm now just asking, answering a question, um, the fact, the number of social housing. and Social how, housing. Yeah, and how that relates to a population within certain cities from Eindhoven and similar, and how can that be applied, that tech, that, that, um, ex- that, let's say, almost like a foundational base to a city like Detroit or many U.S. cities that are challenged with social housing. The problem within the states is that it's not mandated through the government. It's something that ends up happening as a request for developers to follow through some sort of a city, let's say, ordinance or ask, but it's not necessarily mandated. So this is something that's very interesting to consider, and this is also why I think, and we got a lot of comment, we received a lot of comment on that today, this this um, 
holistic approach that we took to strategizing around who's going to be on the panels from policy within state level to city level to execution of startups to finance and development. So those were it was an amalgamation of speakers that were on these panels mm-hmm. to help answer potentially or get to not answer, but get to looking at opportunities for solutions on topics like, for example, social housing. How does the Dutch do it as well as they do? So what do you mean by social housing? Is it like subsidized housing or affordable subsidized housing? Subsidized and affordable housing. Affordable, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So here now in Detroit, there's a amount, percentage of housing that is being requested by de- from developers or neighborhoods. Required or requested? It's not required. Yeah. Yeah, they're asking of it. There are some jurisdictions. I know it, in uh, Montgomery County, Maryland, they, they require, if, if a developer Detroit, comes. Detroit, I'm talking, yes. I don't know about other, I'm right, sure. Right. Yeah. So there are some, I, I, I'm from there, so I'm familiar sure. at least a little bit. If a developer wants to come in and build X number of houses, then the, that county requires X number of them to be affordable mm-hmm. to uh, a certain level. Mm-hmm. But it's not all of Maryland. The yeah. county I live in doesn't yeah. require that. Yes. Yeah. So, those so. Are, you know, when you're looking at 160 square miles, it's a huge amount of space. Mm-hmm. And really, the downtown Detroit is heavily invested in when you consider other, other neighborhoods. But as we had on the last panel with um, Easter, uh, Eastside uh, Community Network, you know, these are nonprofits. A lot of these organizations are nonprofits that are doing what you think would be potentially also influential policy, but city-based work. Mm-hmm. And they're being funded through foundations that are also somewhat selective with where they're putting their funding in. So it's a, you know, maybe to the outside, a discombobulated way of doing almost policy in a reversed way. Whereas the city and the state, you know, potentially like when you look at the Dutch, they man- there's a rule and a regulation that's put into place for a mandate of probably, I don't know this, but certain mm-hmm. amount of green space or certain amount of housing that needs to be mandated for certain areas that doesn't exist here. Mm, not in Detroit. No. Wow. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining me tonight, Ivana. And best of luck to you in your efforts to revitalize Detroit and find Dutch partners to continue building the relationship between our two nations. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Please tell us what you think in the comments below and be sure to click on the subscribe button and turn on notifications so you don't miss our next episode or the other videos we post on our YouTube channel. I'll be back behind the microphone next month with a member of the Dutch Diplomatic Network in the United States. Until then, you can keep up with our work on any of our social media channels, Facebook, X, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Just search for NL in the USA, and you can stay up to date on how the United States and the Netherlands have a partnership that works.